The InStuff podcast is brought to you by ScratchBand. Stop touching your face and join the evolution at scratchband.life. So this week we're talking about the singularity. Oh boy! What the heck is the singularity? Now, we we realized a moment ago that you had provided all sorts of interesting information. And about I stuff. realized when you told me that you put all of your notes at the top of this document <laughs> that I didn't even look at because I was posting my notes at the bottom. My only note was digitally archiving yourself, and then that was it. Did but, you watch the movie Archive? No. Okay. I didn't add it to that list, but it kind of... Oh, I did. You did. It kind of applies here. We'll so let's talk about, first of all, this one is a little bit different because up until this point, the topics we've talked about are things that we have some personal experience with and have some... Well, the singularity has some history too. It, we, it we could talk about We could history. talk about past singularities, I suppose. But... <laughs> Starting with the beginning of... <laughs> of time right i mean but yeah again <laughs> this is not something we've experienced personally so it's a little bit different and so i anticipate today we're going to spend a fair amount more time talking about the what ifs and the potential issues that might come from it than personal experience but as far as you are concerned how, how would you define the singularity so this one is a little so I, I need to, to get a little bit of help from people smarter than me because I don't have personal experience with the singularity so it's hard to define mm -hmm. I am a bit out of my depth on this one too because we're talking about really serious computer science and mm -hmm. everything yeah yeah and there's a lot of prediction happening when people talk about the singularity I remember hearing people talk about it though way back in like 2009 hmm so it was, it's not a new idea for me. I always had a very vague understanding of what people were referring to when they were referring to the singularity, the technological singularity. And so there are two individuals specifically who I would point to as people who have good definitions. One is Werner Vinge and the other is Ray Kurzweil. And Werner Vinge imagines a singularity um, happening in a few different ways. One of them being a situation where a computer... I'm so sorry I said the C word. Yeah, we might have to mute my Alexas <laughs> here if we're going to say the C word a lot. <laughs> yeah, so a computer develops a super intelligence and essentially... Mm -hmm wakes up into consciousness mm -hmm. and so you have this uh, sentient computer type of thing that has this intelligence <laughs> there it goes again we can't really imagine the implications for that yeah 
Yeah, right. And that's sort of one of the definitions of the singularity is that it is on the, the other side of the singularity is unimaginable to us. And when you say the other side, it's like we know that there is a point where either a computer or a network or an individual who is <laughs> assisted by a computer mm -hmm. reaches this point where there's this super intelligence happening. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, though, by definition, we can't know what happens mm -hmm. because we are not ourselves at that point. Right. We're going we're gonna to pause briefly while I mute all of the Alexa devices in my house. All right, we're back. I've muted all my Alexa devices. No more. Went no to more. the bathroom again. <laughs> That's important information. No more chance we'll be interrupted, though. No. For a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. Living in a smart house, you never quite know what's going to happen. <laughs> which is part of the fun. But all right, so one of the elements, one of the characteristics of the singularity is that we can't know what life on the other side of the singularity looks like. Right, because at some point, once you hit that level of super intelligence, technology is supposedly gonna accelerate so quickly on an exponential scale mm -hmm. that it's impossible for us to comprehend what the implications might be. Right, now, can we talk about why it's called the singularity? Have, have you looked into that at all? So that's really a great question. Because I I've have looked heard. into it. You have? <laughs> it's, a, it's awkward like I want to address why it's called the singularity, but I wasn't sure. We haven't already talked about if we <laughs> Well, if you we have the answer. I also have an answer, but why go don't for you it. go? I don't know that I'm right. <laughs> I, so what I have discovered just by listening to people talk is that... Um, through an interview I listened to where Neil deGrasse Tyson is interviewing Ray Kurzweil. It was Otto von Neumann, or John von Neumann, who was the first person to use the word singularity in conjunction with technology. Okay. My understanding is it's a metaphor. We're not talking about a literal singularity. We're talking about an experience that is so profound and unique that we don't know what's going to happen similar to the singularity in a black hole where as you get closer to the black hole the laws of physics start to fall apart mm -hmm. it's that kind of thing you can see that there is a point on our side yeah. observing a black hole but you right. can't see what's on the other side you don't really know what happens if yeah it, you know as you as you get into that point and what's on the other side of it and you know theories that that it would then create a a wormhole that will like launch you into another part of the universe but you've already been basically pulled to shreds by that because you've been infinitely stretched as you get too close to the black hole anyway bad things happen but the idea so singularity is they're not referring to any actual thing it's it, you could just as easily in a way have called it the doorway the unknown doorway or something like that the path the the path to what the the idea is that it's some sort of portal to a, another world that we can't imagine yeah so there's a but point we're gonna where try anyway, I guess. there's just only conjecture mm -hmm. and it's nothing really that we could suppose or guess with any sort of um informed anything piece of information right even the definitions that I've encountered, they, they point to either a computer, a single computer reaching the point of super intelligence or a computer network. 
mm-hmm. reaching that point or a human who's technologically enabled or having some sort of biologically enhanced uh, individual who's who becomes super sentient mm-hmm. and so they don't even know what it would look like at the point of a singularity mm-hmm. but that point happens and then supposedly there's this potential where if it's uh, a super intelligent human let's say that more and more people kind of join this super intelligence they, mm-hmm. they gain a technology or they come into in some way these abilities as well mm-hmm. so there's a societal impact at some point right and i think this is why it can be confusing to people because it's not one particular thing when we talk about the singularity, we're not saying, you know, quantum computing is what's going to lead to the singularity or uh, biotechnology or something else. We're, it could be multiple things that come together at a key moment. And then it's and, and the duration of this transition is uh, unknown as well. And you I know, it's, it's not likely to happen overnight. Right. And it's important that there aren't necessarily people actively trying to develop toward the goal of singularity. Mm -hmm. Some people just imagine it might be an accidental singularity. Yeah, exactly. So basically the singularity is a portal to another version of this world that is completely alien to the one that, to the way we understand it now. And I think a way that we can help people understand a little bit is to talk about past singularities. I don't, I know of one example, but the world has gone through, humanity has gone through a singularity before. Humanity has, yeah. What, what, in your mind, what, what's an example of a a prior singularity? The, our ancestors development of a uh, neocortex. Okay. So when, so this is something that is way beyond my my understanding, but there was a point where our ancestors developed um, uh, the neocortex, which mm-hmm. gave them more ability to understand mm-hmm. and get a re- get along in this world, where um, that and that separates us from other mammals essentially. So, at that point, we evolved into. A modern human, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, again, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what kind of hominids are included in that, but we are one of those groups. Yeah. What the example I had heard was the development of language, which I imagine oh, interesting. could be a part of that same brain development. <clears throat> Excuse me, our <laughs> the uh, Rob has coffee again today. Rob has coffee again. Um, because if you imagine a pre-language human and a post-language human, the pre-language human could not fathom the life post-language. Right. And so I, I think that's kind of one element. I, I wonder if there's been maybe like minor singularities in terms of, for example, aviation. Um, imagine, you know... 1890 versus 1990 mm-hmm. could a person in 1890 fathom like was there kind of a singularity uh, um, maybe a kind of minor singularity that happened in the 20th century 
That's an interesting question because so let's let's think about that for a moment. I would have I would posit that humanity, modern humans, have looked at birds mm-hmm. and wondered what would it be like to fly. And so there's been this imagination of flying for a long time uh, as as humans. And when did that actually become a reality for a human? Yeah, and they had balloons going way back. They had balloons. And people flying way up high in balloons and dying from... But we eventually developed flight. Right. And I think my point, though, is could someone in 1890 in any meaningful way drawn a picture of what 1990 would look like? And I would have to say the answer is no. They would not have been able to fathom the vehicles we have, the computers, the jet engines, the space travel, all of this stuff. I mean, they might have vaguely understood that these things were going to happen, but they could, they would not have had, it would have been an extremely foggy picture. Let me push back on that a little bit. Because I think that is on a smaller scale, I think a definition of a singularity, but based on what I understand, as explained, like Werner Vinge wrote this essay in 1992, mm-hmm. essentially where he he imagines these different types of singularities or how the singularity might happen. Mm-hmm. And what he uh, discusses is that up until the point of this imagined singularity, um, like futurists and science fiction writers, like they can imagine what happens in the future. Like mm-hmm. there are these logical steps that we can take to, to guess. Mm-hmm. But science fiction writers had been hitting this wall. Like you get mm. to a certain technological development, you can't know what's happening beyond it. Like there's mm-hmm. no way you could even guess. Right. And he noticed that happening and he's like, this, this is why I think that there will be a singularity. And not only does he think that it's going to happen, he thinks it is improbable for it to happen before 2005, clearly, because we're past that date. Mm-hmm. And it's as just as improbable that it'll happen after 2030. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So clearly this is an area where there is some, there's a lot of variance in terms of the significance of the singularity and the duration of the transition. So, I mean, as, as you say that, I think like, okay, you look at, you know, early film, they had the like man going to the moon stuff. So they could envision yeah. Some space travel way back then. And you've got, um, um, what's his name? 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Jules Verne, certainly th- imagining a future. Mm-hmm. Um, time travel and, and these kind of things. So, yeah, I would say that that's not, a, that's not an example of a really distinct singularity. I think it's, a, it's on the spectrum, the singularity spectrum. Right. But... What's changing now is how how quickly this is happening. So if you look at basically how slowly things were changing throughout human history, and then we see in you know what probably starting in the the forties and fifties, this um, graph of progress. You making a curve. Upward. I'm making that. Um, that curve of the what's his names Moore's law I can never remember that and every time you have it right ready <laughs> that sort of Moore's law and so 
So what we're seeing now is in, in a change where a, a child born today may not recognize or be able to predict what their life might be like at 40. Right. Whereas that was not a concern for previous generations. Listening to people talk about the singularity too, when they talk about it, they refer to Moore's law and mm-hmm. they refer to it as this exponential curve. Mm-hmm. It's not linear. Right. And so not only do they think that the singularity is probable because of Moore's law curve, at some point you will get to this threshold where you have to surpass this singularity to get any further on the Moore's law curve. Right. You the line starts reach... going so vertical right. that it becomes basically infinity. And if you don't ever achieve a singularity, then what you're essentially saying is technology is going to plateau. Right. Like you won't have that same rate of technological progress. Mm-hmm. So that when I heard somebody, when I heard, I think it might have been Ray Kurzweil talk about that, then um, that's really compelling to think deeply about. And so that that hit home, and then I let my YouTube uh, just kind of continue recommending videos after that, and mm-hmm. then I started getting a lot of Elon Musk talking about how dangerous AI is, mm-hmm. and YouTube kind of sent me through this spiral that was really disconcerting. I I took control of what was playing next and, <laughs> and stopped that. But mm-hmm. yeah, there are some really smart people thinking about what might happen Mm -hmm. with technology in the near future. Like this is not, this is within our lifetime Mm -hmm. and and what it means for us and future generations because it will look totally different. Yeah. One thing that came to mind for me with this was something I've experienced in video, whereas Moore's law seems to apply, you know, computers get faster storage gets bigger in a smaller space. Now we can hold as much in a tiny little micro SD card as I used to have to hold in a giant SCSI drive. That was a massive SCSI pain. Drive. SCSI drives. Oh, those things were the worst. <laughs> Who named that? So Jeez. unreliable. That worst acronym. Anyway, that's we're going back to the 90s for that. But as I, as I saw computer processing increase and space increase, they increased the video quality and it became like a zero sum game. So, you know, if we had just stuck with nice standard definition video, I could easily import it, render it, export it super fast. But, but as the capability of the, the computers got better, we demanded more of them because we wanted higher quality video and more <laughs> effects. And we wanted to see it right away. We wanted to see it in real time. We didn't want to wait for stuff to render. And essentially, we bogged down the computers so that stuff was taken about as long as it was before in in some ways. And so that's something that comes to mind for me is will we sort of like as we upgrade from a dog carrying our packages to a donkey to a horse to an elephant, we just make it carry more stuff and slowing and it all goes the same speed. I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, if that's something that is going to sort of slow down or impact our progress on the toward the singularity because, hey, you know, as the internet gets faster, suddenly we're not just looking at HTML, we're looking at streaming 4K video. 
in 363 d so many implications for that too you know i remember when hd first came out i was like why would i want to watch my favorite sports my favorite sweaty sports team in hd it's like <laughs> right. there are some things i don't need to see in high def <laughs> right but then you watch humans who are on television like a lot of uh, news personalities they're on this high definition screen all the time and i feel they're their professional presentations of themselves have changed into this very perfect, polished, unattainable mm. standard that I think is just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a, an unanticipated outcome from uh, high definition video. Right. And I see the same thing happening as internet speeds pick up. You know, right now I've got pretty lousy internet, but I can stream HD you know, streaming services pretty easily. Mm -hmm. But I'm really limited when it comes to trying to stream things in VR because VR has got way larger screen and there's a lot more going on. And it's two different videos at the same time mm -hmm. if I want to see it in 3D. And so I want, you know, I see that like, okay, when when fast internet finally arrives, then I will do more with, with VR and I will demand more of it and I will bog it down again. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of interest, curious because as as the technology progresses, we also demand more from it, which sort of maybe in a way hinders the progress a little bit. But at any rate, so we're we're moving toward this singularity. What what are the things that you see as converging? Because as we said, it may not necessarily just be one thing. What are the sort of, in my mind, the singularity is like multiple trains all racing toward the same spot. What would you say are the different trains that are chugging toward this singularity? So that's a really good question. Since we don't have one coherent definition, it mm -hmm. could be that some aspect of artificial intelligence right. develops mm -hmm. at, at some unknown rate and even with some unknown variable being tweaked. Mm -hmm. I, I read an article where they were saying it could even be somebody working on some search engine algorithms accidentally triggers the singularity <laughs> can you imagine being the person who triggers the singularity but imagine yeah. though if you think about a search engine that's connected to these large computers that have access to so much data mm -hmm. then you have this emergence of a super intelligence that has access to all of this data um you have oh so what is it you have the ability to realize and perceive your surroundings and you simultaneously have lots of data yeah basically you know one one version i heard was more intelligence than all of humanity combined i can't even so what came to mind for me having grown up in the church and you grew up in the church too I did. you yeah, yeah was they're always talking about the second coming of jesus when Jesus comes again, then everything, you know, everything, the, the earth will be restored to its heaven-like status and the devil will be vanquished. And it made me, when I thought about this, it made me think, 
like, what if AI becomes the return? Maybe this is the return of Jesus in a way that this all-knowing thing comes back to earth and suddenly everything is fixed. This really makes me think that you would enjoy reading Neil Stevenson's book, Fall or Dodge in Hell. Okay. Yeah, because essentially that is what is happening in Mm -hmm. a way. So there's an individual, one of the earlier characters in one of his stories, Dodge, comes back. Hmm. And he, through a series of events, ends up being uploaded. Like he dies and he's uploaded into this virtual space. And he's the first consciousness, I guess, in this virtual space. And so he's trying to figure out what to do with it. So essentially, the story that is unfolding is a Genesis story in this virtual space that then becomes more and more populated by other individuals who are being uploaded into this, what had been an empty space. Mm-hmm. And so the, the um, storytelling devices, some of them that Stevenson is using are recognizable as being from other Genesis stories and other cultures mm-hmm. that humanity has already um, had for thousands of years. And so it's it's an interesting way to tie technology and Genesis stories together mm-hmm. in a way that is entertaining. I mean, it's wholly, there are a lot of people that also are very critical of the book, but mm. just as a science fiction story, I thought it was really interesting hmm. to see the singularity as a virtual space and how it might unfold as these stories that we've told each other for so long um, have been imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as always, we'll have links to any sort of suggestions of media. When I, Kristen's my hookup for that since you <laughs> read books. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a few other things I think we're about to mention too. Yeah. And I mean, before I forget, of course we have to talk about upload, Yay! which I love so much. It is so interesting if you want to talk about the idea of uploading your consciousness to a virtual world. So this is an episodic series Yep. that you watched on, is it Netflix? It's either Netflix or Amazon Prime, but we'll have it, we'll have it linked. I think it might be Netflix. Okay. And it is got a, a little bit of sexual content. I just like to warn people about stuff like that, but it, otherwise it's basically kind of a comedy maybe a little bit of a drama but there's a there's quite a bit of comedy there's a lot of comedy Mm -hmm. yeah and uh anyway so one of the trains that we see racing toward the singularity is ai and what i mean right now ai's got a lot of problems as we know and as we've talked about but if it were to somehow accidentally or otherwise overcome that and and become and pass the 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 turing test right where Mm -hmm. it becomes like a human some people argue that has happened already it has passed a few that test in a few ways um i think it was what was over text that it it sounded it was able to convince people it was like a 14 year old czech boy or something like that yeah um so anyway uh ai is one of these things and (laughs) one of the things that came to mind to me as i was thinking about this was like just trying to imagine a computer that is so unbelievably 
Well, this this might be getting into. Um, boy, I got another one beeping. How many of those things? Maybe that's the one in the hallway. The house is. <laughs> it's not until you say computer a bunch you realize the house is listening from all over the place. Anyway, um, this this kind of gets into AI and and also into quantum computing, which I think I want to talk about next. But I was thinking today. You know, as a documentary filmmaker, one of the things that would be really nice is to just go to my computer and say, hey, computer, edit this documentary for me. And <laughs> take all of the creative choices out of this yep, process for me. Yep. Just because, frankly, you'd be so much faster at it than I am. It takes me forever to finish a documentary. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yep. And you would do a great job. You got AI. So, you know, you'd make the decisions I would make, or maybe even make them better than I would make, because you've seen every documentary ever made. You've seen the ones that I like, you know, and that's basically what I'm doing when I'm making editing decisions. And I'm, I'm making decisions based on this sort of collection of experiences that I have by watching other documentaries. I don't like where this, this logic is going. So I imagined that I asked the computer, edit this documentary for me. And this is post singularity and the document and, and the, or maybe it's right at the singularity and the computer goes, okay. And it edits it. And then it automatically says, well, I've already edited it and distributed it in the most possible, you know, uh, likely way to make it successful that people will see it. I've also made a sequel because I know you'd want me to make a sequel oh, she is. and I've done five other sequels and I've also created a whole nother series similar to this with an infinite number of episodes all based and that's what i think of as the singularity is a computer so fast that it already knows what i'm going to ask it before i ask it mm -hmm. and it just does there is still that must be the basement one or something <laughs> i can't believe it still hears me all the way over creepy. here um basically it just takes off and it's processing so much faster than I can comprehend or ask questions. That's the kind of ex situation that I am, that I picture when it comes to the singularity. Yeah. It makes me sad though, because I like the imperfect decision-making that, that come with people that make something it, It'll be programmed in. Ugh. The imperfection will be programmed I, in. We say that, but I can't help but feel bad for losing those things. I... We'll say it again. I'm so irritated that every time I find a show, I finish it. What if AI just made infinite new episodes? I, I, I'm, I would desperately love to watch more of Upload, but I can't because the humans can't make them fast enough for me. <laughs> get AI to do but it for me. But you would never leave your house. You would just watch episodes of Upload endlessly. I get bored. See, that's the... That's the whole like trend fallacy in my mind, you know, like you see, you see something begin to happen and you assume that line just goes forever. No, of course. Right now I have access to infinite entertainment, infinite in entertainment on my TV. Seemingly infinite. No, I have access to YouTube. YouTube is constantly adding more than I could ever watch. But, there, which is true. That yes. Is true. Okay. It's not maybe strictly infinite, but basically... It might as well be infinite. For all practical purposes. I will never catch up with it. Yeah. Do I sit on my couch all day? I have access to billions of different video games. Well, no. nobody wants to watch eight hours of birds at a bird feeder on, on their <laughs> television. Some people do. They make it. <sighs> so I, 
I will push back since you were pushing back earlier <laughs> on the idea that if some perfect entertainment exists that I would just get sucked. Yes, I do get sucked in and I will binge watch stuff for a while, but I'm still a human who gets sore and tired and bored of stuff that I need to change and do things that stimulate my mind. Anyway, so I want to serve that as kind of a, a, a bridge between AI in the, in the singularity or post singularity. Are you done talking about upload? Cause I feel yeah. like you were so excited to talk about it last week. Oh, and critique it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe, um, should we do that after we, we can just know. do an episode on upload. I'm that's okay with kind that of what too. I feel like we should do. <laughs> okay. I don't want to get too bogged down because that's a little bit different than the singularity. There's issues I have with that. The issues I have with that are, as I've talked about when, um, the script writers, directors, whatever, when Hollywood basically uh, extends one technology to to its limit, but then ignores the progress of any other technology and uses that to create problems that the other technologies clearly would have advanced with and would solve. Yeah, like with Lord of the Rings, why didn't they just have the eagles fly the ring down into Mount Doom? <laughs> <laughs> It did. I mean that that particular. I'm not that familiar with Lord of the Rings, but it did does irritate me when like they're about to get beaten in a battle, and then suddenly some ally we've never heard of comes around. Like where the hell were you 20 exactly. minutes ago? Exactly. <laughs> I I mean it's poetic license. I get it, but yeah. Um. So AI could be one of these trains. Along with that, quantum computing. Mm-hmm. And that's another one that, uh, you know, I, I know just enough about to be dangerous. But the idea between, behind quantum computing is that right now computers basically are binary. It, uh, uh, so the information can be a one or a zero. Right. And then you have a, you know, a series of digits or whatever. But um, and the idea with quantum computing is it could be a one, a zero or both. Right. Basically. And so... While that is hard for me to completely understand and might not seem like a big deal to you, what I understand is it leads to a massive quantum increase in computing power so that computers, a quantum computer could just do crazy, crazy calculations that, that blow away what we can do right now. Yeah. And these exist already. Mm-hmm. Feel, tell me what I'm wrong about or I fill me in. You can't? I'm agreeing with you because I've heard, I have also heard these things and mm -hmm. they equally are beyond what I can as an individual grasp. Like I can't imagine my day to day and how that would be impacted by quantum computing because I have not experienced it yet mm -hmm. th that I'm aware. Yeah. And computers already are super fast to me. Right. I think... You need to work more in video because then you would start to appreciate this. I understand wanting to have a computer that's fast because mm -hmm. I am a slave to watching Adobe just annihilate my processing power on my computer when True. I'm trying to run graphics. Right. You know, Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign all at the same time that everything comes to a crawl. Right. I get that. But what that means for larger things that humanity can do i just i'm not able to wrap my head around like mm -hmm. the, the computations that a system like that can handle mm -hmm. 
not only quickly, but simultaneously. It's, it's, I have no idea how that could be applied constructively. I know there are people in this world that can, but I know that quantum computing is amazing. Yeah. But that's pretty much all I know. So, yeah, I would say what to, to talk intelligently about it at a cocktail party, you need to know the <laughs> difference. It can be one, zero, or both. And, um, and it, it, it leads to a tremendous amount. It also apparently has huge implications for security. I think it, it leads to the idea that we could have really unbreakable security. Which would, and, that would be And great. encryption. Yeah, it could be good. And, and of course, nefarious purposes too. But you hope that that the, the criminals will always be outfunded and out-teched um, by government. But that's not always the case. And so, I, I mean, one of the things that comes to mind for me, like obviously video is a dumb one, but I, I would love to be able to hit export on an hour and a half long video and have it just be done. <laughs> that would be amazing. Right. Instead, I hit that and then I go do something for an hour. But uh, that's how people used to log into the internet. Right. Like if you remember back in the 90s, you would open up whatever browser like Netscape. Mm -hmm. You would yeah. go to whatever page you need to go to. You would type the Hope address in and then go get your coffee. Yeah, right. We're trying to connect to AOL. <laughs> Lord help me. But um, so, but I can imagine, I mean, you can imagine data. I mean, we, we aren't scientists and stuff, so we don't interact with huge amounts of data very often. But you know, like they create these uh, programs to process it, and it's it's a huge challenge to to get these things to to process the information and to and to not crash. You know, they talk about having to like babysit their algorithms and stuff. So imagine taking just a tremendous amount of data. I mean, all I don't know, all of the every word anyone's said throughout history and processing it and having AI interpret it or something and look for patterns and that kind of thing. Yeah. Imagine the visions of the future that I'm familiar with, even from an early age, like Star mm -hmm. Trek. But like the types of computers that could handle navigation through the universe and life support mm -hmm. and artificial gravity. That to me seems like you would need a different type of computing than we have right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And is there another train rushing toward the singularity that you want to, that comes to mind for you? I forgot we were even doing this. <laughs> <laughs> My head is Stick just with your so own podcast. <laughs> All right. I have one if you don't, if no, you don't have ahead. one. The other one that I would, that I've heard of is, is contributing to uh, singularity is basically like biotech. Okay. And you had that other show that you recommended to, what is it? called uh the movie no the the tv show it's called like biotech or something isn't it biohackers biohackers there you go okay but technology in terms of our biology nanotechnology i guess could be put along with that so mm -hmm. having incredibly tiny robots moving through our body and killing cancer cells and other diseases um crispr in terms of being able and going to going in and editing dna and taking care of genetic problems, um, test tube babies, and basically genetically engineering a child before it's born for certain traits. Mm -hmm. So that's, and I, I guess maybe along with that, the kind of 
cyborg type stuff that we're talking about with Elon Musk and his whatever link. What is that? Neuralink. Neuralink connecting a computer to a brain. And so that's another one of the trains, I would say, racing toward this point is, I think, as you sort of alluded to, giving us superhuman powers or creating a human cyborg connection. Like what if AI combines... You have the this, best of AI combines with the best of humans. Right. So you have this symbiosis of biology and technology. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That ultimately leads to a super intelligence. Which, yeah, that alone could be the singularity. Mm-hmm. So that's the other one. Other than that. Other than all of those. Other than scenario. those. <laughs> so I, I think what I want to be clear about is we're not talking about necessarily one technology that's carrying us over the threshold of the singularity, but it, it could be multiple colliding. If you could imagine AI and, and biotech colliding, yeah. that kind of stuff. I had, I sent you a message last at the end of last week and I was like, I'm going to make a watch list of movies related to the singularity. But right. when I started to actually sit down and edit a list, I realized that there are so many movies that either touch on or try to get into a future beyond one of these definitions of the singularity, there's just no way you could watch all of them in a reasonable amount of time. Mm -hmm. And even if you think about the Matrix and the Matrix trilogy, it implies that there's been a technological singularity. Mm -hmm. And this is the other side of that technological singularity. Like they're imagining what that might look like in that story. Mm -hmm. So I stopped trying to make that list really long. I would make that list a lot longer, too, by adding in another element that could contribute to the singularity, which is alien contact. Well, that would that would explain a lot. Because if aliens arrive with technology that is wildly more advanced than ours that we've never seen before, that's a basically overnight singularity, potentially. Mm hmm. And kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, maybe um, uh, contact with the Americas is a type of singularity. Oh. A Native American. I mean, how could a Native American in 1550 imagine, you know, Americas in whatever, 1750 or something of that nature? Like a whole race of people you've never seen before. Right. I Listening to some of the people talk about the this singularity too I, I it was a weird space my head was in just mm-hmm. there's a lot of people just talking about a lot of things that are beyond what humans could comprehend right mm-hmm. and i was in that elon musk spiral where he and it's been covered in the news before like he is somebody who is against like this development of artificial intelligence because he thinks that there is a scenario where it definitely goes bad mm-hmm. and I watched that video where he's saying that. And then I watched a video where um, oh, Boston Dynamics mm-hmm. has just come out with a robot. It's essentially robotic legs that watched. It learned how to walk in virtual reality. The robot learned how to walk. And then they sent it out like in the streets of Boston and it walked <laughs> and navigated a real environment based on what it had learned virtually. Wow. And so... One of the comments that Elon Musk had made in that video is, or in that interview, is that one, 
artificial intelligence is a scary thing. And if you're letting artificial intelligence run around on the streets, it's already too late. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh. That's why I think it's so futile that he would even complain about AI. Well, then think about this. Who is it that is actively trying to move humanity to a different planet within the next 30 years? Yeah. I feel like he has an exit strategy. When we got plenty of stuff going on here that he could fix <laughs> if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, I hate that we have to even talk about him. I'm not a real, I'm really not an Elon Musk fan, unfortunately. You know, it'd be funny. I don't know if funny is the word. <laughs> but it also struck me if at some point here, like the next couple of years, it comes out that he is a robot. That would be awesome. And he is, he is the artificial intelligence. Right. Well, sometimes the decisions are totally <laughs> inconceivable. Before we move on too much, I, I heard once somebody say that when sailors from Europe and Scandinavia came to America for the first time, they suggested that the Native Americans could not even see the ships because they were so outside of the, their realm of understanding. I've heard It was that. something they could never have conceived of, so they literally could not see them. That's kind of singularity stuff to me, that it's so outside of what you could ever fathom that you can't even see it. I mean, you could ask yourself that question now. Like, have you seen uh, a spacecraft from somewhere in the outer reaches of the universe Mm -hmm. you how do you know if you don't think you could ever see the technology beyond your wildest imagination yeah and that's the nightmare fodder of other aliens wandering around us all right now and we just can't see them (laughs) because they're so beyond our our comprehension yeah that's the stuff that'll keep you a little bit awake at night um also (laughs) might get you to stop picking your nose right now um i'm not i'm saying in general to a well, I don't want to insult our listeners. That was a really <laughs> erratic jump you made there, but sure. The who's watching argument. I, For the first time ever, I got semi-freaked out about alien contact this week because someone suggested, I can't remember who it was exactly, that maybe we shouldn't be sending probes out to space, that maybe alien contact would not be the best thing. <laughs> These were that the people it could that enslave were... us all that were against sending the, the golden yeah, yeah. The, that mm-hmm. record out on voyager now i'm kind of on the same page with them because really? yeah we don't know and in our own history we have seen alien contact go extremely badly i got genuinely scared wait in our own history oh you mean in terms as... of i get i always come back to native americans and okay. and contact with europe you're talking about like people moving around on the earth, right. not Hollywood depictions of what happens. No, no. Okay. By alien, I mean like an alien, alien in the sense Aliens of unfamiliar. Aliens from Europe coming to a different right. country. Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, okay. So alien contact, I would say, is one of the elements of the of the potential catalyst to singularity and yeah i've heard that this is supposed to be the century for alien contact so there you go (laughs) careful what you wish for interesting yeah um wait the century or the millennium century oh wow yeah 
So we, sometime in the next the 80 years. Um, one of the things that I think I've mentioned to you, because I am excited about the uploading of consciousness. Yes. I really don't want to die. Really? Yeah. Are we at that point in midlife where we're actually contemplating our own death? No, I don't think about it too much, but I definitely hope I can make it to the singularity that I don't have to die. This is an interesting conversation that I do want to have, but if you don't want to have it on the podcast, I well, understand. Let me just finish my thought on it and then just sort of let me know. Um, yeah, I don't want to get too far off track about death in the singularity, but that would be a cool title for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but one of the things I've thought about as a sort of, it, it's not exactly saving my consciousness from death, but it's basically saving my existence from, from death is creating a digital archive of myself. Have okay. I brought this up with you before? Yes, we have had this conversation, I think, in the context of Black Mirror or Upload. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the thing I thought of that we can do right now is I could basically take a 360 image of my body with the private parts, of course. So you're, you're a 3D, carefully. or not 3D, you're scanning your corporal, corporeal form. Correct. So that I could be recreated in a digital world. Yeah. And then, I mean, I've already produced enough that people could just take it off podcasts and other content. All of your social media documentary. I don't. I don't do much on social media, but definitely my voice could easily be recreated. Yeah. Just based on what I've already done. But what if? What if I? (laughs) Yeah, I talk a lot as right now. But what if I knew like exactly what to record, and. And I don't know, pictures and memories or something like that. And what if I could basically provide a future person with enough information about myself to create another, uh, basically an AI version of me that would be indistinguishable from who I am now. So some future generation could have the benefit of me. (laughs) I love saying things like that just to see what your reaction will be. I was trying to weigh whether or not it'd be worth the investment just feeding you to have you around. <laughs> no, like, I'd be a digital the self. The needs. I wouldn't need much except the feeling that I was important and people listened to me. <laughs> the feeling, not the reality, but the feeling. Okay. So that's something that's crossed my mind. And I, th- I thought about doing it and just making it available. But then I was like, no, nah, then the, the evil people of the world will just take take me and and create a bunch of deep fakes of me in horrible ways and do all sorts of unspeakable things with my with my digital presence but rob would never ride a shark down a waterfall are you kidding (laughs) no because i respect sharks too much (laughs) um was the movie sharknado no who is riding a shark into a a volcano was that the incredibles I think it was the Incredibles oh, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I seem to recall it was something oh, yeah. like that. Um, okay, so there is a Black Mirror episode, I think in the first season, where um, a woman and her fiancé, I think, mm-hmm. are they should, they're depicted together and her, her boyfriend dies. Mm-hmm. And she tries to, in the process of grieving, she tries to bring him back based on a service similar to what you've just described. Mm-hmm through social media posts and some other things mm-hmm. as a sort of grief surrogate. Yeah, she he comes back as a 
and what's creepy is he comes in a box he comes yeah he has (laughs) essentially a robotic body Mm -hmm. but he has all of the voice and some of the memories Mm -hmm. what else um yeah i mean he's got he's basically like a clone kind of an ai clone who's meant to behave exactly like um her i don't remember if it was fiance or husband but her partner okay yeah and things just get weird they get weird because he doesn't really ever he doesn't he's obviously he's not him mm -hmm. as a person right he doesn't ever develop any further right and also he exists to please her and if i recall correctly it's been a while since i saw that episode but basically he just exists to try and make her happy and that ironically makes her miserable right because that's not what we look for in a partner we all know that humans are never happy when people when in all cases they're happy they become unhappy being happy (laughs) well yeah what what is it we we don't want to be with someone who has no sort of motivation of their own you know and and opinions of their own right so yeah it's interesting i wonder if some people saw that and were like oh i had a relationship like that (laughs) maybe you have have you ever been in a relationship with someone who just all they wanted to do was no. I don't it's odd to think that this would be bad but all all they wanted to do was please you and no. yeah that relationship wouldn't have last long, lasted right. long anyway exactly because you want you want someone who's a an equal right not a slave that and, has their own ideas and doesn't mind pushing back and right having conflict it makes life interesting my cat is walking dangerously close to the recorder, and we had a pausing incident, <laughs> but she hasn't stepped on the pause. Um, so, yeah, and so that's, I mean, that's one element of post-singularity is, is uh, I mean, it's an element we can picture, but the, androids. Living forever? Oh, well, androids, okay. Yes, this concept of AI androids. So you could bring back people who have died in a way and that would be super weird so <laughs> in that in a similar scenario essentially what you're saying is you could have a conscious conscience or a copy of a conscience uploaded and that potentially you know i guess taking into account that the whatever is the virtual space is built on mm-hmm. lasts infinitely long that consciousness would also last infinitely long right and what does that mean can you imagine living i can't even imagine living for hundreds of years that is beyond what i can comprehend it's the end of death so that's one thing that could be on the other side of singularity is the end of death as we know it which would be unco- inconceivable to us now right that you never have to go through the sorrow of death that everyone you've ever loved is around forever sickness is over and upload deals with that in a kind of interesting way because one of the problems they present is well but then we have this work we have these people like what do we do with them you know well the the people that are uploaded yeah they so that 
scenario to me is interesting because that's where people go to retire. Mm -hmm. And once you're uploaded, you're no longer allowed to work. Exactly. You can't be productive, which right. I think is not necessarily a space I would want to live in either. Because mm -hmm. some of the things that I do for fun might be considered work. Right. And I would want to be able to do them. Right. And so their, their idea behind it is if people worked after death or upload, I guess, then there'd be no work left for the living. Mm -hmm. So it's... Because you'd have this infinite workforce. You'd have this infinite workforce. It's interesting that they've created a world where physical humanity and virtual humanity are existing, coexisting. Mm -hmm. And that there are still people who want to live in meat space. Right. Tell me more about that. What do you mean meat space? So in, in Upload, you have the real world mm -hmm. where people are flesh and blood mm -hmm. and they're living their lives. They have self-driving cars and they go to work and they have family holidays that they celebrate. But at some point they decide to retire and some people retire conventionally, but some people retire and they go to a virtual world. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much you can afford, you can get into a very nice virtual world or you get into a not so nice virtual world yeah they they reference it with data limits that you get like what is it like two gig a month or something right and so if you do too much data in this virtual world then you basically just freeze until the end of the month it, it seems <laughs> some of the things that they thought about are really interesting to, to, to think about um but what's also Hmm. What is also interesting about this is people who not necessarily like if you don't have to be like on the threshold of retiring to get to this space, like you can make the decision to be uploaded if you're about to die. Yeah, my understanding was it was a it was a death thing. And so you just lived your life. And I guess you just retire in real real life. But then you, you had kind of a uh, plan for if you died what they would do with you yeah but you couldn't accidentally die in meat space you had to be uploaded before that right yeah and what i struggle with 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 upload just as it relates to kind of this singularity element is why can't you do a telepresence and go wander around the real world well they do Oh, they don't. They, you're talking about the other Real way. Real world people would come to the virtual world and hang out with them. Right. But they were always on the outside. They could like look into the virtual world. There was that. There's a scene where there's like a the wedding mirrors. or something, and he's it's sort a of funeral. The, was it a funeral? Mm -hmm. Oh, his funeral. That's his right. Funeral. I forgot. <laughs> he attends his own funeral, right? But as sort of a looking through a, the glass at the at all the living people. I don't just don't understand why he couldn't be on an iPad on wheels. Yeah, that's an interesting And just question. roll around. Why Why do they put him in there like that? Or why, if they have all these other things, why don't they have humanoid robots that would allow for a sort of telepresence? Well, that brings in that the, the movie um, archive mm -hmm. where there there's a robotic uh, robot scientist. Mm-hmm. 
a person who is a scientist that deals with robots. Oh, yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. A scientist who is a robot. He, he himself is not a robot. Wait, I'm, yeah, I got A scientist who works with robots. Correct. Um, has um, essentially stolen his uploaded wife's, no, his dead wife's upload and is trying to put her inside of a robot sufficiently developed enough that the consciousness he puts into this robot could serve as a, uh, a surrogate to her as a human being, mm. even though she's dead. Mm -hmm. Which is another uh, Black Mirror episode, too. Oof. The yeah. creepy ones where they put people's consciousness. There's the one that's the museum. An amazing episode. Yeah, where they talk about how they put people's consciousness in like stuffed animals. Oh my god! And gosh. it's like a prison. That would be terrible. Anyway, that's another great episode that has to do with, <laughs> with, basically, sinking your your soul with the digital world. But mm. yeah. Anyway, so well, it turns out that 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 his wife doesn't want to be in mm. the physical world. Mm -hmm. She is essentially trapped by him, and she can't get. She can't leave. Mm -hmm. There's a twist in that movie that I won't talk about because mm -hmm. you will eventually want to watch it. I will, absolutely. I right. love that stuff. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited about not dying and the people I love di not dying. That's really would be amazing to me. Isn't that part of the human experience, though? Yeah, but so are rashes and doesn't mean I'm happier in a world with rashes. <laughs> Right. I mean, they're not pleasant things and we don't want to promote suffering or, mm -hmm. you know, suffering is not something that we enjoy, but it's also something that makes us who we are. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm no more of a human for the suffering I've seen than someone who has a dad. So are you somehow less human than me because you, your dad didn't die? At some point in the future, though, I anticipate that it will happen. So if my dad def died before his mom, did that make him less than human? Because he never went through the process of losing his mom. I see what you're saying. Like, I agree. That's not I true, understand suffering, you know. And sadness and grief. And sadness, yeah. But there's plenty of that. We don't need more. Death is a problem to be solved. But by avoiding all of those things, I mean, I feel like we made an argument that opposite argument before like we can't live in a world where it's all nice and sunny all the time we're not happy that way right rob has his thinky face on him. well the thinky face i have is is suffering part of what makes life better or is it just challenges i don't think i need suffering but i definitely need challenges mm -hmm. i don't need people to die for me to find life worth living okay but that does bring up an interesting point because we it's been a motivator to me realizing that I have a limited timeline. All right. What if I didn't? Would I feel so concerned about getting anything done? You would never shovel your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a virtual world, I would have a heated driveway so it all melted. Wouldn't that be nice? That's an interesting question to me. If there's no end, what's your hurry? There's a vampire movie like this. Oh, what is the name of that movie? 
the last the last two lovers mm. i think mm-hmm. there's there are moments in that movie where they, it just seems to languish because they're there are these undone this is undying couple mm-hmm. that is just existing together right i think i need to watch that movie again though yeah that's because one thing i have realized is humans just adjust to whatever situation they're they're to to for the most part mm-hmm. whether good or bad so if you know I, this time of year i think oh my gosh you know i showed you that that vice documentary where the guy goes to live with a, a retirement community in florida right and i think oh it would be so awesome to just like palm trees and sun all the time and nothing to do and i have been in roughly that situation and it's amazing how quickly this just becomes normal and it doesn't bring you joy anymore (laughs) okay so what how does that relate in a situation where you never die there's no rush to do anything so what do you take for granted that you wouldn't take for granted anymore this is turning into a really existential episode well that's what the singularity does it's an existential crisis the singularity right is it a crisis? Yeah. Okay. There's the possible, I mean, as you just allu- alluded to earlier, of AI taking over the world, AI being a new Jesus. But you're such a glass half full person. How? Why is it not an existential opportunity? It is also that too. Okay. It is also, but that's the thing about it is we don't know. But some singularities that humans have experienced have been amazing. The advent of whatever the neural cortex and language have created great things, but also the plight of Native Americans has been a, a living hell. Yeah. And that's a different type of singularity. And so it could be a blend. Obviously, I love technology and I'm excited about these things. But at the same time, as I am conducting this technological experiment on myself by making my house and my life as techy as possible, I'm seeing how quickly you adjust and how it's just not special anymore and how it has no end. What happens when the power goes out here? It hasn't yet, but I'm screwed. <laughs> None of my lights work. Oh, no. The same thing happens to say <laughs> your house, the power is off. Nothing works. Nothing works here. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I don't. You get so worried about that lock downstairs. Once I told you <laughs> the lock was smart, you just immediately had this picture that I'm like, locked out of my house or i'm locked into my house it's got batteries in it it doesn't care if the power's it doesn't know if the power's on or not except it, i can't control it remotely because uh it needs wi-fi if i wanted to control it from like a mile away the one thing that i am hyper conscious about is being locked out of my house in the winter time here mm-hmm. and it's like it's on my checklist when i walk out of my house yeah because i mean you could die yeah if you and don't you have, have a way worse chance of dying because to get back in your house, you need your keys and I just need my thumb (laughs) or to remember my code or the power to be on. No, I mean, yeah, I could, I could unlock it with my phone. If the power was on, that's a like, but you don't have your keys and the power's out. Then what? If I don't have my keys and the power's out, it doesn't matter. It's battery powered. Yeah. It doesn't matter anyway. Cause windows are easy to break. It doesn't matter because it's better. I don't have to break a window. That's why I got it. Because I was having to break into windows when I locked myself out routinely. My daughter, I was like ready to knock a window out. And she's like, dad, just like pull it a little bit. 
She had to like calm me down and then I shimmied through a window and unlocked the door. My daughter has gotten me into the house. She should be a cat burglar because she's got a gift for for getting back in the house. That's I, awesome. I have never locked myself out thanks to the smart lock. And I have normal. I have multiple other doors with normal locks. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not buying the fear of that. Okay. Um, I love you. Ask me what happens if the power goes out. <laughs> Stuff. My lights don't work just like they don't work at your house. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't miss anything because my lights were never really doing anything by themselves anyway. <laughs> All right. I think I think we're reaching a point where we should um talk about be- fun things. Begin to to wrap up our singularity conversation. Oh, okay. What what Let's things about the singularity did you want to address that we haven't yet? I really just wanted to talk about the what ifs. Mm-hmm. This is something this is the first time I think we've talked about something that it's really hard to imagine what happens on the other side. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay not knowing because essentially all bets are off. Mm-hmm. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be both. Right. I don't know if it want to live forever. And I may decide at some point to delete myself. You know, you could say like, look, I've done everything. But I mean, look how inefficient our lives are right now. We spend the first 22 years of our lives just getting a bachelor's degree and then the next 20 years just getting good at something and then we're good at it for maybe another 20 years and then we retire you live a really conventional life imagine yeah i do she says to the guy a robot in his living room and a life-size tiger (laughs) stuffed animal tiger imagine if people spent a much larger proportion of their life at that high level and getting higher what if we still had einstein around figuring stuff out for us what you know we we talk about brain drain and we talk about um institutional knowledge what if what if we didn't lose that when people retired or died that's an interesting thing so you would always have giants to stand on the shoulders of because they would always be there to continue thinking right and building on what they've done and then imagine being a 22-year-old graduate of college and going to interview at a business where the the boss is 300 years old and knows 280 years more about your field than you do. But by that point, AI already knows everything. You don't have a job. This is where stuff with singularity, it just like <laughs> blows itself up and you get really like lost but that's one thing that has crossed my mind, how inefficient our learning and application of that learning is. We, we get people to this, you know, incredible peak where they know so much and then they're like, I'm out. I'm going to go hang out in Florida and take everything I've learned with me so somebody else can start the, you know, pick up in line as, as the treadmill continues. Treadmill? Treadmill. What else? Hmm. I do have something exciting, though. <laughs> Wait, the thing that blew you away or something no. exciting about the singularity? Something I'm excited about the singularity. I would love to be able to just jump between virtual worlds. I would love to go in back into the 80s and just wander around in the 80s, you know? Right, right. And AI would be able to basically render a convincing version of and 80s and i mean and there's a black mirror episode about this too where basically they go back 
into the 80s. The, I think that's what I was remembering. I was like, right. where did I see that? <laughs> yeah, that, that woman goes back and is in a relationship with right. someone from a different time. Um, yeah. So I, I really like that idea. So you want to switch worlds like video games? Yeah. Okay. And just like, I want to live in the 80s for a while. Okay, now I remember how boring the 80s was. Let's try, you know. I remember I couldn't get out of the 80s fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, so those are some things that ex- excite me. Um, the the reduction in suffering. But I, I do, I don't know. Do you think people today, this will be my last thought. You can have other thoughts, but... Do you think people today then are less human than people in the 1600s who were suffering from disease and war and famine and had way less suffering because we have so much less suffering than we than they had back then are is we it somehow less, less or is it different I'd argue that it may not be less You think do you know what surgery was like in the 1600s? Oh, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't even want to imagine. Like that, there are things that are really great we for have, us right now. I will stand by that we have less suffering, tremendously less suffering than people did in the 1600s. By volume? I mean, All we have around. less suffering, suffering, but we have longer lifespans. I don't even remember what the question was. What was the question? <laughs> Are we are we less human? Oh no, it's not that we're less human. Is there less suffering now than there was? No, no. Oh. Just please accept the premise that there is less suffering now. Okay. Does that make us less human than someone in the 1600s? I don't think it makes us less human. It might open us up to deal with different problems to solve. Like we're not solving for survival, we're solving for innovation. Mhm. Yeah. What comes to my mind is uh, is the new problems that that creates, where you get people who go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed, and start to get into this rut of feeling like, what what is my purpose? That is not a problem. I imagine too many people in the 1600s are like, what is my purpose? My purpose is to plant and pull out potatoes and not die. Right. You know, it's pretty. They, they didn't have the luxury of wondering these things. Am I happy? <laughs> you know and do so, i love this person yeah this am i happy in this relationship <laughs> <laughs> would have been a laughable thing to consider back then <laughs> it wasn't about being about happy it was about surviving for whatever the purpose was so i see that our challenges change and maybe in some ways the depth of our ex- existence changes so I, I feel like would you say the the ability to have a superficial existence where your life is so focused on things that don't really matter is a consequence of having a life of less suffering I'm, I'm starting to get i really like i was really against the idea that suffering somehow makes us better but i'm coming around a little bit that that you look at people who have suffered in life. I mean, one of the people that I found most life-affirming to hang out with was a woman who survived the Dutch resistance during World War II. Mm. She was amazing. She was just a light of a person. And Holocaust survivors can be like this too. 
um, she had lost her beloved fiance and he had died in a concentration camp. She had experienced all sorts of horrible things and she was an incredibly powerful and wonderful person who would just leave you feeling uplifted afterward. So. Okay. That sounds pretty great. <laughs> Not the suffering part. I'm conceding to you a bit there. Does but that the feel person... good? You like that? <laughs> I don't feel like I've won. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree that All there's right. value in overcoming hardship. Agree. It was your idea. Of course, you you agree with yourself. This doesn't have to be a competition. (laughs) All right. What else about the singularity? You want to talk about more what ifs? Hmm. There's so much what if. I don't think my. I'm having a hard time keeping a train of thought because it's just so broad. Give me a what if positive situation and a what if negative situation for what post singularity might be like. What if we could learn things instantaneously? We can just, we've figured out our super intelligence has become so evolved that we've Mm -hmm. figured out how to download knowledge to have it instantaneously. Yeah. And for that, I would say this gets back to your suffering thing. You didn't work for it, so you don't appreciate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wasn't expecting you to agree with that, so I'm a little, I'm not sure what to say. <laughs> no, I agree. Like, I think that there's, this is the part that I can't imagine beyond the singularity because mm-hmm. I am fairly attuned to being a human. And I've, I've accepted the experience of like some of it's good and some of it's bad. And I'm okay with that. But if it's totally different, I honestly have a hard time wrapping my head around it. Yeah. Like, do you have a scenario? I, I don't, I don't know. I can see, I mean, just to tag one thing on, I spend 20 minutes a day practicing Spanish and I still am terrible at it. And imagine if in 20 years someone could just download it. You know, part of why I I work to study Spanish is how impressed people will be that I know how to speak Spanish and the connections that will allow me. Imagine if anybody could just do that. You know, it's sort of like someone who would spend hours calculating a, a spreadsheet and be proud of their ability to do that and then find out that Excel can do it instantly. Hmm. <laughs> that would really be a letdown. It, I struggle with a couple of things. One, I, I am, I'm reluctant to believe that new technology is going to somehow lead to the, to the destruction of humanity because we've seen it a number of times. And humans are still humans at their core. And just because there's a new technology doesn't mean that sort of like like you were saying earlier about if there's an infinite number of wonderful TV episodes, well, I just sit on the couch forever. Mm-hmm. Like, no, because I'm still human at my core. I still want to go outside and get sun, and I need that to feel good. So there's a, there's a part of it where I'm like, humans are, you know, we know what we like, and we're not going to give up what we like just because technology might allow us to. So I don't, that sort of dystopian thing, I don't, I don't hundred percent buy into, but at the, on the flip side, anytime there's something new, I do wonder this in just because things have gone well in the past doesn't mean they're going to go well in the future. 
and with aliens lord only knows the same with computers so it's not always and in the different scenarios it's not always humans that become super intelligent Hmm. it's technology so you have Mm -hmm. a let's say you have a computer that reaches this technological singularity would they want to coexist with humanity Mm -hmm. so i think that might be where things take a left turn and go downhill Mm -hmm. yeah and we uh, we are historically bad at predicting the future i I just keep coming back to this the theory that computers were going to lead to a four-day work week yeah wouldn't that be amazing yeah and instead, it's led to a seven-day work week, you know? <laughs> and so that's why you have to be careful about changing one factor but not considering what that will mean. So what they, when they saw that, they were like, well, if, if someone can compete, complete their work in half the time, then they'll just work, they'll have to work half as much and not calculating that that would just lead them to want to be more productive because they're competing. So, yeah. I think the issue with the singularity is there's so many different strings to pull and they're all getting pulled different amounts that it's by definition impossible to know what what the other side will look like. Right. But it's coming. So be ready. <laughs> Something's coming. All right. Yes, what's coming is your <laughs> class as you point your phone at me. <laughs> tell me that we're running out of time. Well, then let's wrap this up. What what blew you away? I get to go first. So the thing that, I, this is the thing that I find more unbelievable and incomprehensible than it's blowing me away. But I read this morning that Google Discover, if you, I don't know if you use Discover. No, On Android phones, Discover is the thing in the Google app where you open it up and it's like, these are news feed, these are news items that you might be interested in. Hmm. So... Uh, Google has removed um... (laughs) oh my gosh you're gonna have to cut this out all right we'll be really quiet for a minute so I can find the edit why can't I think of this word I don't know maybe I'll just pause yeah well now we come to the exciting conclusion of what Chris, the word Christian was trying to remember. I was making sure I wasn't having a stroke. Yeah. And the word was satire? It was satire. (laughs) All right. What does Google have to do with satire? Google Discover? One of the things they're removing from the Discover app recommendations Mm -hmm. for people is satire. (laughs) Because we can't recognize satire? Exactly. That's exactly why they're removing it. They don't oh want people gosh. to be confused. We're too stupid to live anymore. Well, wait, All because right. to remove satire from the news feeds, they need an algorithm. Mm-hmm. So that can detect satire. Exactly. Whoa, so that's essentially they singularity need an stuff. algorithm that can accurately detect satire when human beings can't accurately detect <laughs> satire. <laughs> that is nuts. It's it's really discouraging for so many reasons. One, what we just talked about. And mm-hmm. two, like, it's sad that there are people that can't detect satire. And I feel like, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Like, mm-hmm. get people to the point where they can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ultimately happens in this world where there's an algorithm trying to figure out what is satire and what isn't is real news is getting called out of that. 
mm -hmm. potential feed. Okay. So, wow. Yeah, that's really discouraging. So yeah, mm. a multifaceted. I can't believe this this week. <laughs> Great. That that is very sad. And I had a couple, but yours actually makes me want to change one of mine. The uh, the one I want to go with is learning about how the quarantine may have been an aggravating factor in um, conspiracy theories. Oh. Because the fact that we are separated from each other, we're not hanging out with friends, we're not working in person so much, we're not going to church as much, um, hanging out in groups, means that we're at home and we're getting this information. A lot of people are getting information online and whatnot, and that's how they're getting news and interacting. And that that false information is not being basically cleansed by interacting with other people who are like, no, that's that's different, or I had a different experience or something of that nature. Oh, interesting. So how QAnon can, was sort of found fertile ground in quarantine, mm -hmm. and how in a way, to keep it alive, it wants covid to continue so it wants to discourage vaccine use it wants to discourage masks because as long as people are quarantined and separated and isolated conspiracy theories find more fertile ground oh that's unfortunate because essentially what you're saying is healthy debate and discussion shouldn't have the opportunity to test ideas it's a gaslighting yeah. type thing that's terrible and it gets back to the thing we talked about in media and culture class that you co-taught with me, where if you're an abusive spouse, one of the first things you do is cut off other forms of input for mm -hmm. that person. You don't let your spouse hang out with people when you're not around or at all. Yeah, you cut off access to family, cut off right. access to friends. You cut off that communication. That allows you to control that communication feed. And so in a way, the quarantine is allowing QAnon to be a manipulative spouse to some of these people it's saying don't trust anyone else but me and you can't talk to anyone else but me and therefore feeding them all this stuff and outside you know um truth dies in darkness right yeah that's terrible in all so, cases go out seek out people and test your ideas right yeah. yeah and so it will be interesting to see how conspiracy theories are affected and how QAnon is affected if and when things return to return. I'm told things will return to normal. Sometime. They will return to a livable normal. Yeah. What that normal will look like <laughs> post singularity. Oh gosh. All right. We can't take it. We've already had COVID. It's put yeah. up to singularity for at least a year. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just realized it's my week next week. <laughs> and I didn't think about, I didn't, because we had a list of things to think about. Do you have Quick, it in front of you? List. I might have the list of topics. Uh, it'll take me a few minutes. Okay, I, we got the list here, and so I'm, hmm, I'm reluctant to do this. But how about online dating? <laughs> oh my gosh! Have you done it? I have. I done it. I haven't done online dating. I've barely done classified dating. That's how old I am. I've recently Wait, been... classified. You did classified dating mm -hmm. in a paper. Yeah. Well, it was just like one potential. I can tell the story next week. Okay. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So I guess we could 
basically say next time on the Insta podcast, the future of dating. The fu- well, the future is here. I think we might be the only. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have done some online dating, but it was 20 years ago. So, uh, did they have the internet back then? All right. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the In Stuff podcast. If you'd like to join the discussion or see links to the things we referenced in today's episode, feel free to pop on over to instuffpodcast.com. That's the letter N, stuffpodcast.com. If you're enjoying the In Stuff podcast, check out my other podcast, Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. In each episode, we share amazing true stories from Alaska told by the Alaskans who experienced them. The New York Times recently called Dark Winter Nights the best winter podcast for storytelling lovers. Check out Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, wherever you get your podcasts, or at darkwinternights.com. The InStuff Podcast is brought to you by ScratchBand. Stop touching your face and join the evolution at scratchband.life.